Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Turn to your neighbors, say, I'm glad we're here together. Yeah. You thought this was a solo mission? It's not a solo mission. This is a church is a, a together thing. That's a, we get to actively worship and set our attention on Jesus together as a community. How many you know we're blessed? Amen? Amen? If you don't know we're blessed, hopefully in the next 30 minutes or so, I, I can talk you into it, how blessed you really are. Showcase for you how, how good God really is uh, in every area of our life. Uh, my name is Shane Grove, and I'm a pastor here, one of the pastors on staff here. My wife and I, Kirsten, we are the service pastors for our five o'clock service. Um, if you're wanting to get connected and you're maybe here for your first time or this has been uh, maybe the last month you've been here, uh, after service, you need to come up and introduce yourself to this lovely couple in the front row named Joel and Allie King. They're the service pastors for this 11 o'clock uh, expression. So please get to know them. If you have questions, even hard ones, just, just ask Joel. He'll, he'll work it out. He has Pastor Chris' direct number, so not a problem. But um, I'm glad that Pastor Chris uh, has given me the opportunity to, to teach this morning a little bit. Uh, had such a wonderful time over the last few weeks in this series that we call Grateful. And we're realizing, I hope you're realizing along with me, that grateful is not one of those things that you just wake up one morning and just decide to do or to be. It's actually, you're realizing it's, it's a fruit of something. And if you listen to even two weeks ago, Pastor Ken's message on the fact that heaven and earth, they're, they're not separate. There's interchange. There's overlap that takes place. And we just don't take up space that the good Lord gave to us, whether we're in Meridian, Boise, or wherever you live, just to get through life. But God's given us mission and assignments right here in the now. And we are, what, ambassadors of heaven. Uh, We're sons and daughters. We're we're kings and priests. And we have to live that way if we want to see fulfillment in our life and the mission of Jesus uh, for for us and for, for this world. And then you realize as an ambassador, guess what happens? When you key in on who God is, gratefulness comes out of you. And then last week's Pastor Tracy's message, which was just phenomenal. She's our 7 o'clock service pastor. Um, on the fact that gratefulness just doesn't just start by gratefulness. Gratefulness is a byproduct of what? Grace. Like your starting point and my starting point, regardless of how your testimonies compare, it doesn't matter whether you have a gnarly testimony or you think it's just okay. Uh, it's, it's easy. Guess what? We're all the same in this, that if it wasn't for the surprising good news of Jesus, if it wasn't for his grace, uh, we would be lost to ourselves. We would be lost to destruction. We'd be lost to, man, a, a host of some vile things. But however, the grace of Jesus has come in as a rescuing agent to say, you don't have to deserve or earn anything. You don't deserve it. This is how good God is. Not only does he tell you and I that he loves us, but he's shown his love for us uh, on the cross, making this exchange for us. Come on. And if you can't be grateful just in those review points, sit tight. We got 30 more minutes. The point is, if we're, if we're to live life on mission with Jesus, uh, that means we got to give him all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us belongs to him. Uh, over the next few moments, I'm going to talk about, it says I have 83 minutes, so I don't know. Don't panic, people. You saw that up there. <laughs> might be, might go that long. Um, 
Today we're going to talk about three things. I, I won't be 83 minutes. But I'm going to talk about a problem. That's always good to start with. I, I think it's fun. We've got to address a problem. And then I want to talk about a promise or plural because the Bible is just woven with promises all through Scripture. Uh, and then I want to talk about a practice that we can, uh, maybe for some, start afresh, new, dust off for others. Just bring to the very forefront of our thinking. Uh, and not just our thinking, actually engage in something new uh, in a way that God can, I don't know, change the way we look at life, change the way we walk through life, how we navigate through different stresses and problems. Um, but let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. Grateful that uh, you know our story inside and out and that your love, it covers every one of us. As is already prayed and said, thank you that your kindness is it's so wonderful. Uh, it's beyond what we can even uh, exaggerate. Your love, it's, it's new, fresh. Your mercy, it's here today. So grateful that we don't, any one of us, live off of uh, yesterday graces or last week's mercies. But you make new, fresh exchange every single day. And uh, we say yes and amen. We welcome that exchange in our life. We love you. Come on, and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the problem. The problem is this, that many people live life from a deficit. Many people today operate from a place of being discontent, emotionally or spiritually exhausted or bankrupt. And the problem with this, it leads to a host of other insecurities, habitual complaints, uh, and other debilitating habits and actions in our life, all by the fact that sometimes uh, we are living from, from deficits. The problem is our minds and our thoughts get tangled up. Vision becomes limited. The joy, you feel like, man, where's the reserve? I've... I've, I've maxed it out. Uh, anytime we're living from this deficit, uh, you take any poll, Google it, I dare you, uh, on discontent Americans uh, and realize there's poll after poll after poll, depending on what the subject is, on people where they just have no peace in one area or the other. They're not satisfied in this area, not satisfied with this system, and on and on and on and on, not to discourage you this morning. Uh, the problem is most of us have already come in discouraged. Uh, my hope today is that you don't leave the same way. Uh, there's a promise for you and I. But we live from this deficit. And I want you to think about uh, the amount of time we, and energy we put into so much. Uh, and we exhaust ourselves to, to the end to where uh, we don't have a whole lot to give. We take problem from one day and we move it into the next day, um, all because we're trying to live on this catch up. And I tell you what, it, it's difficult. I know this is, is a spouse. It's difficult to uh, be a spouse and come and live from a deficit or play catch up. As, as a husband, right? As, as a coworker, as an employee, an employer, uh, as a churchgoer and as a follower of Jesus, it's difficult to live on the mission of Jesus when life seems so exhausting and overwhelming. Most Americans live fast, crazy, busy, and breathless. Working from this deficit, trying to do more, trying to be more. We see that it even influences the way young people view work and the way they view family. Several studies have been done to where young people, they don't see a way to combine work and family in a rational way anymore. So they're choosing not to have families. So they're choosing one over the other. There's no way to be able to manage both well. And so they have to choose between the two. Others look at uh, their business and the fast-paced life, this crazy, busy, breathless energy uh, as a badge of uh, status or badge of importance. 
Uh, we talk about how busy and overwhelmed we are all the time. I just want you to think about it for a moment, the way people even introduce themselves and talk. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm just, um, I'm slammed. You? Yeah, me too. Like, when's the last time you asked that of someone and they're like, actually, I'm doing nothing at all. We usually rattle off a massive laundry list of tasks and problems and other issues as a way, I don't know, maybe subconsciously as a way of letting the other person know how important we are uh, or how much we got going on. And it's like this, it's this competition of who's busier, uh, who's more exhausted. It's almost like we kind of revel in the, the exhaustion rather than reveling in the rest and being able to, to control and honor the time that God's given us. Uh, One journalist wrote, we sometimes create business in order to conform to this social ideal that to be worthy is to be busy. I don't say this to blame people, she says. I I do it too. But the only way to change it, if we don't like it, is to first be aware of it. Be aware of our urge to conform, to be worthy, to be enough. It drives us sometimes unconsciously. I know this because I've done both, that if you drive on a punctured tire or float down a river in a deflated raft too long, uh, it doesn't get you very far. And the end could be, could be dangerous and it could lead to, to more problems. The question then is if we're like this, if we're living these fast, crazy, busy, breathless lives, um, are we looking at the warnings that are around us in our life? Or are we going so fast we don't stop and consider there might be some indicator lights, warning lights going off in in, in, in the panels of, of our life uh, that are saying us, there's a problem here. And if there's a problem here, what's the idea? The idea is to what? To ignore the problem or to fix the problem? The idea is to fix the problem. Because when you ignore, take your car, for example, you ignore those indicator lights. Guess what? It, it might not show itself and be a real problem at first. But the longer you drive and the longer you operate that vehicle uh, with something broken, Uh, the more chances you run at even greater damage. Now, I want you to think about it even in our own lives. The more often that uh, we run when we realize things are broken and aren't right in our lives, uh, the greater opportunity we have at lending to more and more problems within our life. God's not called you. So here, this is for all of us. He has not called us to fast, crazy, busy, breathless life. We weren't designed for it. It's, we're not housed for it. We weren't programmed for it mentally in our soul. And what happened is we have this discontent, which is no peace plus soul fatigue. It equals a horrible recipe that no one wants to partake in. Uh, no one wants to eat that. However, it's at times what we exemplify uh, often more so than, than the opposites. And I believe this, that God is giving this wonderful opportunity to come out of that problem, to address it, allow the graces of Jesus to fix it. Uh, and for whatever season of life you're in, you don't have to go into the Monday and you have to go into this next week living this out of breath, catch up, deficit type of life any longer. Why? Because in an instant, I love how God puts things to rights. And this is as we move in even to, so what's the promise? Thank you for asking. They're wonderful promises if you read your Bible. And I'll tell you about it in a moment. But I love the fact that um, Paul even highlights a beautiful uh, church community, uh, the, the Macedonian Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
And as I was reading this uh, earlier this, this week, I, I got this understanding like, oh, wait a minute. It's amazing how we always like to blame our problems. It definitely cannot be us. Am I right? Like, it's not you. It's, it's not me for sure. I'm never the problem. And either are you, right? You think this in your mind. It's got to be, it's, it's, it's never me. The problem is always out there. So it's always someone else, right? It's always something else. It's always that system or it's always like that environment. It, it was that one person. You would have been fine, but it's just that one person, right? Or it's, you've been fine. You had a great day, but it's what was said. You know, if they just didn't say that, it's, it's them, it's that family member, it's that individual. But what I found more often than not, it has rarely anything ever to do with the person out there or the external. It has pretty much everything to do with what goes on internally. See, this is, this is the scary but beautiful thing about how God's made us. What's on the inside of us, it eventually comes out and it shows itself on the outside of us, good or bad. And what I love when Paul talks about these wonderful Christians is he, he was showing us as a way of encouragement that your external factors, the things that are going around you, pressures of life, uh, the difficulties of life, they don't have to have the last and the loudest say or word in you. But what God is doing on the inside of you, that can be your anchor. And that's what is, is, should be the loudest uh, and the longest saying in your life. Uh, it keeps you on course. It, it keeps you in right perspective. Paul says, we want you to know, brothers. I can just tell as, as you read this. He's so excited about telling about the testimony of these people. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace that God has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, there's the external. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, and I think this is the key that Paul is capitalized on here, it says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God they gave themselves to us. And what we see here is that whatever we give ourselves to first has the influence on everything else within our life. I mean, Matthew 6, right? Seek what? First, the kingdom of God is righteousness, and all these things will be added. There's something about putting the right priorities uh, and aiming them in the right way, how it influences everything else. The problem, and we're going to move off the problem to the promise and the practice in a moment. The problem is that, unfortunately, because we're so fast-paced, we're so busy, we're so overwhelmed with to-do lists and appointments and activities uh, and social problems and problems with government and economy and people and neighbors and community, my goodness, uh, we start getting our priorities all out of, out of whack. And what's secondary becomes primary. And what's primary somehow gets just kind of thrown down to a list of to-dos and we wonder why and how we are in this place. And the challenge today is uh, recognizing the problem. Not, this isn't just, come on, this is for me as much as it is for you. Do you know how I studied for this message? I studied by, by I'm going to give you a hint here, resting and just waiting on God and actually looking at, okay, what's the rhythm of my week? Like what has the loudest say? What has the most energy? What takes the most time? Uh, what's pulling at me the most that I'm giving 
into? Uh, is it God or is it other things? And, and taking a moment just to pause and consider, it's amazing how through the grace of Jesus, he helps you begin to reprioritize and restructure what's important, taking primary and putting it at the top of the list and anything else following suit. And what you find, and this is brilliant of Jesus, is when you seek him first, he has this brilliant way of blessing everything else. He has this brilliant way of putting everything else into its right order and its right place. See, what we do oftentimes isn't bad. It's just out of order. And we wonder why it doesn't work. And Jesus says there's an order to the kingdom of heaven. There's an order to things, God being the first. Here's the promise. You ready? The promise is this. In, in our world, uh, it does not offer us what only God can offer us. We know the kingdom of Jesus, it's counter opposite to our culture. His kingdom does not run on madness and panic and strife. It's not a kingdom that runs on contention or perversity or power struggles or conflict or weariness or fear. No, the kingdom of Jesus runs, as Paul says in Romans 14, 17, on righteousness, on peace, and on joy. It's the kingdom of Jesus that runs on love. And it's by his grace, which is his, his, this gift given to us, as we talked about last week, that we can fundamentally live different than the world around us. And instead of being swallowed up by it, instead of being overwhelmed by it, uh, when we live with righteousness, peace, and joy, when we live with the standard of God that he set for our life, it's amazing how our little life has such great influence on the people around us. Psalms 36 verse 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life. This is a promise. And in your light we see light. So the word says that God becomes a fountain of life to you. you. You don't live from a deficit or you don't have to live from a deficit, but you can live from this fountain of life. It's a picture of overflow. It, it, it's a picture of, uh, of, of abundance. And this is what God is promising for, for you and for me. In this life, it touches us obviously physically. It, it's life both mentally, spiritually that proceeds from God. And I love this. It's sustained by God. He restores us. He purifies. He perfects what's not perfected. He fixes. He mends. He restores what's broken in us. This is the life that we're promised through the wonderful achievements of God through his son, Jesus. But not only are we promised life, we're also promised light. Come on. And light is so good. You don't take your flashlight and try and find the sun, do you? No. It's by the sun that you see everything else. Like by the, the brilliance and the radiance of the sun, we're able to walk to our vehicles today. You don't have to put a headlamp on. Why? Because the sun's out. And by the sun, you see everything. What's the psalmist saying? He's saying not only does God give you a promise of a fountain of life, but God gives you his light by which you can see everything else. You don't discover a God by yourself. You discover who you are by the light that God gives you, by his revelation. And this is the promise. We're not to live overwhelmed, fast-paced, busy, breathless. But he says, no, you're, you're to live life with great abundance. You're not to live blindly and without sight, but I'm giving you vision to see. Uh, you can navigate through some of the the most difficult terrain and circumstances of your life. Why? Because the brilliance of Jesus is able to shine in and through you, through his word, through his grace. We didn't deserve it. He says, listen, this is what you have to navigate with. You're an overcomer. I believe this, even think about the last couple of weeks, because we are ambassadors of Jesus, we're always then, if we have the right perspective, at the right place, at the right time, 
And we have everything we need in that moment, not 30 years down the road, uh, not a year down the road. But in that moment, we have everything we need to be victorious. This is a promise of light, foundation, foundation of life and light by which we see everything. Not only does God promise us through through the word, the, the life of God in and through us operating daily, the light given us perspective, the ability to see. But we're also able to have this wonderful gift, and it's the gift called rest. How many say, yeah, I need a little rest today? Just go right here, yeah. After, we typically do the full hand raise at the end of the message, but right now we're not there yet, so just give me a little, just so I know I'm not crazy. Just, and I'm not saying you're going to go to sleep right now on me, right? How many would say this, a little more serious? How many would say, yeah, I need, my, my soul is weary, like mind, will, motion, I, it's kind of wore out. It's been, it's been that season. Maybe for some it's been that day. Maybe for some it's been, been that year. Do you know that God promises to give you rest? Do you know it's just not a promise when you are in heaven uh, to be absent from the body, to be present, Lord? That, that's a beautiful promise. And there is the full picture of rest. Uh, there comes a day, my goodness, when God is, as he's remaking the heavens and the earth, he also remakes our, our heavenly bodies as well. And whatever struggle, whatever pain, whatever disease, whatever thing's been debilitating in our life, there is a day that's coming that God will restore that perfectly and completely. But how you know, we just don't have to take hope in the future. We can also take hope in the present. Why? Because God is in the present as well as he is in the future. So that means that God gives you rest even today. Some of you thought, oh my goodness, I thought life was all about being breathless and busy and fast paced. No, I'm telling you right now that God has given us the rhythm of what it is to work and to rest. And some of us, we just don't rest well. Now, I love sleep and I love this, this verse In the Bible, it says, Psalms 127, 1 and 2, it says, It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for God gives his beloved, what? Sleep. I love that. I love sleep. I'm gifted. I really am. Some people are. I'm I'm really gifted with sleep. I'll explain it. Meaning, sleep comes to me every day like a gift. And it does to you too, but some of you, are, it's, it's, it's turmoil and you're anxious and you wake up 10 times a night. I've never experienced that. I'm not bragging here. I'm just, it's, let it be a testimony. Uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for this moment. Grateful that this is part of my testimony. I can walk down the hall. You can ask my wife in our home. And I'm like, whoa, five feet, 10 feet from the bed. I don't think I'm going to make it. And I get to bed and fall in and and I'm out. There's times I'll be in mid-conversation with my wife and she won't remind me about it until the morning. I'm like, what? We were talking, didn't we finish that? There's times that I've been, have you been there? I've I've hurt my nose or my eye socket because I dropped my phone out of my hand. Like in bed, either reading, the gift of sleep hits me and I'm out. And then, do you know I can lay in, in bed Straight on my back and not even move. Joel knows this because we've traveled a little bit together and he was my roommate and we put the old Quaker thing down the middle, like instead of the, the whatever that wood fence, I put pillows and this is our barrier because we were sharing a hotel room. And so I'm like, you stay on that side. I'll say, I promise I will not move. And he can, he can testify. I wake up the same way I, I go to sleep. That, that is a gift, people. Because our lead pastor, Pastor Chris, he, he, 
he loves the fact, but hates the fact that, that at the same time that, that I can experience this because his hasn't been so much. But I'm praying for anyone who's had a rough time sleeping that even naturally God would do something in, in your sleep. What's the point? The point is I love sleep because of the outcome of it. I know that I'm going to recover the next morning. Right? I know that I'm going to wake up. I guarantee you, if I wasn't sure that I was going to wake up, I would not go to sleep. <laughs> but I also know Isaiah says, you know, he puts his mind on you. You keep him in perfect peace, right? So I'm like, have you thought about sleep? Sleep is tricky because we don't think about it much, but it is a very trusting habit or practice. Now, if you all laid down t- tonight, and thought through this, please don't, that much. All of us should be awake for a little bit tonight. And you think, man, th- you're right. Right now, I'm pausing everything. Like, this is tricky. Sleep is actually kind of weird. Like, I'm not paying bills right now. I'm about ready to, to drift off. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not running errands. I'm not Schlupping, that means just kind of walking around aimlessly in the mall or shopping. Uh, you wear you out. Uh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just trusting the fact that when I close my eyes, I'm going to wake up the next day and it's going to be brand new. I mean, it's, it's a miracle too. It's, it's amazing that the fact the body can just go from fast-paced craziness that we exemplify every day, that we live out every day, but then in a moment, there's just complete peace and there's stillness, and there's quiet, and there's not much movement. That's, that's a beautiful picture. And that's actually the picture of what it is to be like when we're in the presence of Jesus. Like it's, there's a stillness that comes. Some of you that may be your first time in, in church, and even today, maybe like, man, there's just, what's so different about this place? There's like a, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's the presence of Jesus. We call it peace. We call how God is the one who sets the atmosphere. There's a calmness to people who are close to Jesus. Uh, it doesn't mean there's a lack of activity. When you actually look at the word peace, it's not a picture of like a pond or a puddle. That's stagnation because there's no inlet or outlet. Peace is actually a picture of like a spinning top. Have you ever, as a kid, spun a top? Right? You with me? You know how fascinating tops are to spin? Like you get them spinning and they're going so fast but they're staying in place. They're like controlled. That's the picture of peace. That's foreign to some of you in this room today. It's, it's controlled energy. It's controlled activity. It's controlled power all under the presence of Jesus. That's, that's, it's not like when you follow Jesus, you do nothing. No, you get your whole life and all the power that God's given us and all the resources that God's given us under control and organized afresh. And we live in a world that lives the opposite of this. But the promise and the hope today is that God can order your life and walk you into this, this brilliant peace. We see this in, uh, I'll see this in a verse in a minute. I'm going to look at, you can, in a moment, uh, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. I'm going to read this in a moment. A picture of, of what it is to be at, at rest and to be in this state of, of peace. Uh, before I do that, uh, there's a book written by Parker Palmer. It's called A Hidden Holdness. And he wrote about Midwest farmers. They prepare for blizzards by fastening a rope from their home to their barn. 
the blizzards would come out of, of nowhere and could easily catch a person off guard. Much like spiritual storms in our life. You don't plan for them. You don't sit down on Monday and consider, oh, I'm probably going to have a spiritual storm on Thursday. Better get ready for that. Isn't it interesting about spiritual storms? Uh, they hit you out of nowhere. Much like these blizzards that uh, Palmer was talking about. And the problem is that if you're not ready and you don't have a secure line to grab a hold of, uh, what they found in these blizzards there in the Midwest and the Great Plains and parts of Canada is that people would be found wandering on their property in blinding snowstorms and blizzards, disorientated, not knowing which way to go, not knowing where barn, house, covering, protection is. And they would be found wandering in their backyards. And some would even be found to be dead feet away from their front door. I don't know about you, but that is a sad picture when you consider that they were feet away from safety, but because they had nothing to grab a hold of, they didn't know which way was right and which way was wrong. And what I've found is if we don't have certain practices at play within our life, when the spiritual storms and blizzards of life come, come on, that are a little bit disorientating. Uh, I don't know if, how about you. Have you ever lost your vision? Have you ever been in a place where you just don't know what way to go? Uh, my, my challenge is that we get a fresh look at some of these practices. One in particular that I'm going to talk about today, and if you're with this church long enough, is uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Kelly, is there, uh, they're leading us. Uh, it's, this is not something that's just every once in a while. If you follow Pastor Chris and Pastor Kelly, you realize they live these practices, not because the practices will save them, uh, but the practices are tied to something, Right? Uh, if we're living in fast-paced, crazy, busy, breathless life, do you really think that we can be grateful? No way. Do you really think that we can love our neighbor? No way. Do you really think that we can offer forgiveness? No way. We have no time for it. There's no energy left for it. Do you really think we can be compassionate? No way. And what's going to happen is we get lost in this storm of culture. We get blinded and we're in our own backyard and we are feet away from safety. But because we haven't put down a security line, uh, that leads us in the right direction, we're lost. The security is this. You ready? The security is what I read out of Psalms 127. This is the security. It's resting, learning again to rest in Jesus. It's practicing the Sabbath. Now, I don't have time to go into the history of the Sabbath. Are we practicing the Sabbath today? Yes, for some. Some of you actually, you already overworked today. So not really. You need to pick a different day other than day because you already worked, you know, six hours this morning, you're already stressed sitting here listening to this, that you just need to take a minute uh, in, into the week and take a day where you're just observing, waiting, and worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. We have to get back to rest. I don't think, like I said, we rest well. And when you look at Mary and Martha in this picture in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 and 42, it says, now when they were on their way, Jesus entered the village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Sounds like some of us. Uh, Tell her then to help me. But then the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. That's like saying your whole name. It's like Shane Allen Grove. Stop it. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That's Jesus politely saying, Martha, stop it. Number one, don't ever tell me what to do. Like your parents tell you what to do, or your kids tell you what to do as parents. You're like, what did you say? That's what happens when you're, bra- when you're breathless and busy and crazy and too fast-paced. You open your mouth when you shouldn't open your mouth. And you start telling God who, what he should do and who he is. And you start telling Jesus what to do. Martha didn't realize the moment that Mary was actually uh, recognizing. It was the moment that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is sitting in our home. Do you think your task can wait? Absolutely. Martha, were her task important? Yeah, they were important, but were they as important as the person who was in the room? No way. Our task, is the work God given us important? Absolutely. But is it more important than the one we're serving? No way. See, my concern is that our identity too often is derived from the doing and not the being. Like it's, it's, it's in the activity. It's in the list of what we say we're doing. And we just gain our importance, our significance, I don't know, off of that as opposed to uh, just being in the presence of Jesus. Do you know, and I just want to save you because God saved me in this, uh, that you don't have to dance around to impress God. You're like, well, that's good because I don't dance anyways. Well, it's, it's a metaphor. Uh, dancing and in the fact that you don't have to, it's not about praying loud enough so God hears you. It's not about like, you know, helping someone out you know, so that they know they're being helped out. But more importantly, it's not just in helping them out. You want God to know you're helping someone out. And it's, it's, it's not about doing all these like fanatic, crazy things. And somehow God's like, oh, wow, you got my attention there. Look at you. Uh, look how cute you are. Bounce around all over the place. No, we don't have to work for anything. You know, what impresses, you know what impresses God? What he said here is Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 10. It's not in the working, in the striving, in the to-do list. What impressed God is the fact that Mary, even though that work was important to her, she put it on pause. Why? Because someone with a capital S was in the room, in the house. And she was spending that moment as a mini Sabbath to sit at the feet of Jesus and pay attention and listen. I'm sure she wasn't talking much. She was just observing. You know what will get you back on track? You know what gets me back on track? You know what will help reset and restart your spiritual life with Jesus? Is this. Is pausing other things in your life for a moment so that you can just sit and be in the presence of Jesus. We do it on a Sunday. But my challenge is this. This is a practice that we just don't have to wait seven days from now until we get here next week. But tomorrow we can start having many Sabbaths, like Daniel did in Daniel chapter 6. He prayed morning, noon, and night. This was a mini Sabbath for him where he was stopping, considering, reflecting, and worshiping the wonder of God for all that he's done. David said in Psalms 119 verse 164, I praise you seven times a day. I don't know if it's three days, three times a day for you or seven or 12 uh, this last month for me, it's felt like it's, it's at least seven, if, if not more. We're tipping, sometimes tipping the scales at 15, just because the chaos that kind of surrounds us in, in our day and age. I have to take moments where I'm like, okay, God, 
Whew, I'm back here. Let's go. We've got a little five minute break. We're going to the Psalms. And I begin just to read the Psalms and remind myself of the wonder of who God is. It's, it's like uh, an issue, a problem arises. You're like, man, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? And, and we instantly want to default to fast paced, crazy, figure it out. When God say, no, there's a better way. Set your attention on me. If you fix your eyes on me, Isaiah 26, 3, guess what? I'm going to keep you in perfect peace. Uh, I'm going to show you as the fountain of your life, Psalms 36, and as your light by which you see everything, as you take a moment, these praise breaks, as you begin to worship, Jesus did it. Uh, devote Jews would do this. They would take time throughout their entire day. They just wouldn't wait for the day of the Sabbath. They would do it periodically throughout the course of of their everyday, everyday life. They learn to rest well. And they learn to be in the very presence of God. Mary, she's practicing this. Uh, it's a spiritual practice, oftentimes neglected in our life. What is Sabbath? Sabbath is learning to be at rest in the presence of God. It's a daily rhythm, much like breathing, drinking, eating, sleeping. Without it, I guarantee we will expire quickly. Sabbath is about stopping to surrender, not to the demands and pressures of life, but to God. It's allowing God to actually orientate and direct and control and influence your life, uh, not the opposite way around. Robert Barron, he wrote, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. If we can stop for one day a week or many Sabbaths each day, we touch something deep within us as image bearers of God. Our human brain, our bodies, our spirits, our emotions become wired by God for the rhythm of work and rest in him. What we see is that as we learn to, to stop, wait, and rest, God has a way of putting this rhythm to action in our life. He shows us, even in, you see in the opening chapters of Genesis, he gives us the example of work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. And it's, it, the rhythm should go in into our life where we work, 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 what God's given us. The, as, as ambassadors of the kingdom, there's work to be done in it. In, in it. But I, I love the fact that he gives you these moments to catch your breath, catch your wind, get a fresh perspective, worship him for who he is, uh, offer words and songs of, of thanksgiving for what you didn't deserve, but he gave you. We see this, this rhythm throughout, throughout scripture. And how, would he, how do we do it? I, I want to give you just a, several points on how we do it as, as we close here. Um, do I think this is a big thing? Yes, I absolutely think this is a big thing. And even as I was prepping for this, I'm like, God, there's got to be more in the message than just, than just rest. And I felt, no, I, I think it's like the one thing, especially given even the time we're in, in Christmas season, the holiday season. I mean, do you know how many people lose their mind and they miss the entire focus of what this, this season's all about? Like, we're more concerned. I'm, I, I love gifts and giving gifts, and I'm going to give gifts to my kids. I'm not telling you to just scratch the whole thing. But what I'm saying is, like, let's not, in, in the busyness and craziness of our culture, lose sight of what it's really about. And it's really about celebrating the greatest thing that's ever happened to, to mankind. And his name is Jesus. And his entrance and his, his ability to take on limitations uh, for us, making this sweet exchange that we didn't deserve. Our brokenness for his wholeness. Our impurity for his holiness. Our unrighteousness for his right way of living. This is the promise that we have been given. So how do we, how do we rest well? How do, we, how do we Sabbath, practice these, these many Sabbaths throughout our, way, throughout our day? 
Well, number one, write down the word stop. I think it requires that we have to stop. Um, There's always something else to do. There's always somewhere else to go. And I think we have to make this decision uh, for our lives personally as followers of Jesus that we throughout our day just have to set times where we're just going to stop and keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to keep Jesus primary uh, as we follow and we're on pace with him. And as we stop, what we're saying is as we stop, uh, we are saying that our stopping equals trusting. Just like you're sleeping equals trusting, rest equals trust, right? Stopping equals trusting. What do you mean? Well, I mean, when you stop, what you're saying is, there's a thousand things I feel like I still have to do, but my trust lies in you more than those things. So I'm stopping with knowing this, that as I stop and focus here, and you become the very center of my focus in my life, that all those things, they're going to be taken care of. And even if they're not taken care of in the moment, they're eventually going to be taken care of because I'm setting you as my primary focus, my aim, the direction of my heart of worship. And so we have to stop. And then when you stop, guess what what follows stop? Rest follows stop. I love that. Has any, any people ever backpack? You go on long hikes. Anyone ever go through the sawtooth? Come on, we have a beautiful backyard called uh, Idaho, right? Uh, and we have brilliant mountains. I love in the summertime going on these backpack trips with folks. And I, I love starting out. You got a decent load of, of weight on your back and your backpack. And I don't know about what other guys think because I'm not them, I'm me. Uh, and all I know is... Some guys might be thinking about, man, I can't wait to get to the destination. I can't wait to, 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 to look at the scenery. This is going to be breathtaking. I don't think that. I, I'm not that, I, I, I don't have that long of a forecast. Mine's like short. Uh, I love the fact that when I start out, I can't wait to stop. <laughs> if, if, if they told me we are going to start and we have like a seven-mile pack and it's pretty much all uphill, we're going to start and then we're going to, we're going to stop at the peak. I'd be like, bye. I'm staying in the truck or I'm not even getting in the truck. I'm going home. Matter of fact, I'm not even showing up to where we're supposed to meet. But the fact that I know that we do this, depending on what the elevation is, depending on what the grade is, sometimes we'll go a whole mile. We'll start. I'm like, whoo, this is a rough mile, but oh, I can't wait. We're almost there. My, my, my watch tells me, my phone tells me, we are almost to that mile. We're not to the end. We're not there yet, but we're almost to that mile where I get to stop. <sighs> kind of redistribute the weight, right? I get to take a breath. See, this is, this is what some of us, we've been following Jesus the wrong way, some of us. We thought he said start, and we didn't hear him say stop and rest. We thought he said start, start and keep going. Come on, keep going. Don't be weak, keep going. Come on, keep going. You got this. Keep going. But no, that's not how God operates. I love Jesus. He takes his disciples around. He takes them on a journey. And as he's on the journey, he stops along the way. Not only to teach them something, but he's shown them the art of rest. You work, you give out, and you rest. And you rest, it's the hope of and the promise of recovery. And you awaken anew and afresh. Some of you today, and we're going to go into a worship song here in a moment. We're going to communion. All today has been, has been a place to where you thought it was just showing up, business as usual, sitting with some of your friends. 
I'm telling you, for, for some of you, some of you just need deep, deep rest. Like you've been gone like too much. You've been given more voice to the world. You've been given more hearing to the, the wrong things. You've been trying in your energy and your strength and you just haven't caught it yet that it's about the grace and it's about the gift that God gives you of let me help you. Let me help you catch your breath. Let me help you see brand new. Let me help you live in a way that uh, you're eventually, man, going to get to that end and you're going to look back and see that if you had done it all by yourself, there's no way you would have made it there. We have to stop. We have to rest. What do you rest from? Well, you rest from worry and from panic. You rest from busyness and multitasking. You rest from refined sugars, processed food. You, you rest from technology, from talking. When you decide to take a moment to have a mini Sabbath and to be with God, you're like, I'm putting all those things aside and I'm just here to stop, to rest. And the third thing, you begin just to enjoy. You enjoy the presence of God. You enjoy what he does uh, to you in restoring heart, mind, soul, and strength. You enjoy the fountain of life and the light by which you can see everything. You enjoy the work and the labor that he's allowed you to, uh, to produce. You stop, you rest, you enjoy. I mentioned when I transitioned last week, I, you enjoy the little things. I enjoy road noise. I enjoy the, the smell of leather, old trucks. My best thing I enjoy, one of the best, is late night snacks and chats with my kids. You look around and say, man, this is good, what God has done, what he's created. You stop to enjoy the community church that God's put you in. Instead of uh, griping and complaining, when you stop, when you rest, when you enjoy and you just reflect on Jesus, you actually start to love your neighbor. You find that now, wow, gratefulness in this series is not another task in your to-do list, but it's, wow, with minimal effort, you find yourself being more grateful in how you think, in your speech, in your words to people. The Sabbath rest is all about stopping. It's about resting, enjoying, and you ponder. You start pondering about the grace of God, how his love reaches every part of your life and your story. You begin to read the Bible out loud to remind yourself of who he is. Psalms 27, verse 14. says, wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. I wonder if you could just stand with me as I read this again. Psalms 27, 14. This is what we're going to do right now. We're going to wait on the Lord. He says, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. Psalm says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Notice what it says. It says, let your heart take courage. You know why some of us have not had a courageous heart or a strong heart? We haven't given an opportunity to let our heart take courage in God. For your heart to take courage, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't come from eight hours of sleep. For your heart to take courage, it doesn't happen because you, you showed up three of the four Sundays in the month. It doesn't happen because uh, you, you've uh, given tithe or offering. It doesn't happen because you've done all these things. How your heart takes courage is you give it an opportunity to wait on the very presence of Jesus. 
You don't dance around. You don't run around. You don't try and act your way, work your way into this grace, into this approval. You just be. Your identity is not in your doing. It's in your being. Meaning all your brokenness, all your strife, all your problems, all your dilemmas, all your what ifs, all your wish I could have, all of that, you present in one big bundle called you. And you just, like Mary, sit at the feet of Jesus and watch what God can do in your life and through your life. What if you could bow your heads, close your eyes with me.